You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Morning Startup, where we believe you can develop neural pathways that will awaken you to a full heart and clear mind. Live with joy, health, and success. I'm your host, Michael Oliver, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Deborah Dyack and Maria Gosher. Morning. Morning, guys. So we are still working remote and doing our podcast remote. And uh, once again, just another shout out and thank you to Jamie, Matt, who's joining today in the listening booth. Uh, from the from from his home and Jamie from his home. Um, again, their work uh, is able to allow the morning startup to continue remotely. So again, we we can never say thank you enough, and we'll probably be doing more of that as, as time goes on. So we appreciate those guys helping us out with that. Um, you know, for the last couple of episodes, uh, you know, we've been talking about the uh, COVID nineteen crisis and. Having some discussion around that, there's been a lot of that in the news, and we talked about that the last few episodes. And in preparing for this particular episode um, and next week's episode, which is going to be a continuation of this one, we were thinking about how to shift the perspective here a little bit because we get inundated so much in the news uh, of, of negativity and death and now there's been a lot of shifting going on and people feeling their rights being violated Violated when we're shifting to when we have the lockdown and now people wanting to get out of the lockdown and when that's going to happen. And so there's been a lot of differentiating of opinions, some confusion, a lot of emotions being raised. Um, so there's a lot of shifting going on right now. And what we'd like to do in this episode is to reframe this experience a little bit. We were thinking about, in Maria, Deb, and myself, we were thinking about this, thought about some questions that in this conversation that we would throw out to the group, being us, and Matt and Jamie are more than welcome to join us in this discussion as well. But we wanted to throw some questions out to get some dialogue and conversation going about how to look at this uh, as more of a uh, for lack of better language, a reflective opportunity. And uh, Deb has developed uh, some questions. Um, and Deb, I don't was that out of Parker Palmer, these questions came? It, 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 it comes from Parker Palmer's, Palmer's work, his, okay. his idea of constant reflection. And just for those that haven't joined us in the past or are new to it, can you share a little bit? Um, because I'm going to have you go right into the questions and start our conversation off. But can you give a little background on Parker Palmer and who he is? And um, and then we'll, we'll you can just roll into some of the questions and we can start our conversation. He is an educator in higher education, his origins. And he um, was a developmental educator, bridging um, the academic with the humanistic. He is the one who first presented that idea that people are more than just what they're learning more than just the content, that they're human beings, and that in order to optimize one's ability to learn, we have to be able to connect with their human condition, that some students come to us in a lot of pain, some students come to us uncertain what they're doing, where they're going, some are homeless, some don't have food, and if we don't address the holistic aspect of learning, then 
our ability is diminished. Our, our ability to, um, our potential is diminished as human beings. So he's, he's the first one. I, I consider him kind of the father of developmental education along with Hunter Boylan, but Hunter Boylan was more on the academic side um, because it's more than just skills. It's, it's the humanistic side. So anyway, he, he developed an organization called Formations and great name, uh, Human Formations, helping us grow. And he felt that annually we should ask ourselves continually questions to be self-reflective so that we're always moving forward. So that's where he came from. Yeah. So, and, you know, I guess this is fair enough to say, although um, Parker Palmer's focus was in education, um, would it be fair enough to say that the, the questions that he asks in terms of reflection can be um, expanded to a broader audience? Well, everyone says everyone's in higher education. I mean, truthfully, even though you're not in right. a formal program, we're all, we're all in, in, in a learning. Yeah, that's a great perspective. I really yeah. like that. That reminds me of Maria, how you always make this comment about um, being this, mm, uh, you know, a lifelong learner, right? You, mm-hmm. You've often used that language as, and, and that's, shows and a lot of things that you do is like you're always learning because you're you're in academia mm-hmm. and now you've graduated out of U of M, but you're still in that learner mode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Everyone is in that in that mode. Some people don't recognize it um, and they're missing out because they're not learning. But um, yeah, everyone is in that mode. Absolutely. And his whole thing was to bridge the humanistic with the academic. That was his main, mm-hmm. the main thing. Which kind of leads us into this idea, and I want to pick up on that I, that that sentence thought that you just laid out, Maria, was that everything can be a learning experience, but not everybody learns. And um, from that, you know, from that not learning from, right, kind of tends to stagnate some people, whether they recognize that or not. Mm-hmm. But Parker Palmer did some had some questions, Deb, I think that you, you gleaned out of many questions that he had that you thought would be a particular interest to, to today's show. Um, so you want to start us off with some of those and we can talk sure. about them. They're pretty basic, but truthfully, now that we all have a lot of time on our hands and time to reflect, one of the questions that he um, encouraged us to ask ourselves, who am I? And, and I thought about this. It's such a, who am I? Well, I'm, Deb Dyack, but I'm a daughter, a mother, a sister, a wife, a healer, a sound bowl therapist, martial artist. Um, I work with some amazing people with my intention. And, and I guess that my deepest part of who I am, I am a soul with a body. And I'm trying to navigate through this life and I'm trying to nurture that soul part of me. And that's why I got involved with my intention with our, with our touchstones is that's how I, I am growing now at this stage in my life. That's where my growth is and that's who I am. So I guess, Michael, who are you? (laughs) So 
I was hoping you'd throw that over to Maria to give me more time I'm to figure that out. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's such a good question. I, and it's one that I've explored in the past and explore recently. You know, a lot of us, I'll get to answering that question. I know that I tend to go into a storyline here, but you know, when you, when typically when you ask that question, a lot of people will default to an occupation first. That's what most people identify with, right? Like I'm a, you know, I, 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 I'm in the transportation business or I'm an advertiser or I, I sell medical supplies or whatever it may be. Um, I like you could list a lot of things. Sometimes they feel like I live lifetimes based on the things and experiences that I had and what it brings back to who am I? I come back to that spiritual part as I define it and everybody has a different definition of that, but I define it as being a spiritual being who lives on this planet in this moment in time, having a lot of life experiences and that the experiences that I have are designed for me spiritually, not so much physically. I mean, the the physical environment um, provides the lessons for my spiritual growth because that's what to me that's what it's about so who am i i'm a soul and a body um and i'm a and i'm a everlasting spiritual being that transitions in and out of lifetimes how deep is that (laughs) (laughs) so maria you now you get an opportunity now that you're following deb and i uh this is actually one of my favorite topics like i i can write like if I if I could do a PhD program, it'd be like on this question. <laughs> but I, I agree with both of you, the whole soul thing. Um, I really liked what Deb said, that she's nurturing her soul, learning how to do that. And, and I think that's something that I am trying to do as well. Um, but when I think about who am I, I think of the philosophical kind of aspects of it too. You know, the, the Socrates and the Confucius and when they're like, know thyself. And, and, um, they talk about, I'm such a nerd. Like I I read a book on this question (laughs) and where it's more like about, like you gain wisdom if you know that you don't actually know who you are, if that makes sense. Yes. You don't know who you are and therefore you don't know the potential of what you could be. And so it's a constant kind of learning aspect. Um, and going back to Parker Palmer's work, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Sir Ken Robinson's work in education. So he says, I have it written down here where education and and keep in mind with that, you know, everyone is in education, like what Deb was saying earlier says education is meant to be the process by which we help people understand the world around them, but also the world within them. And when we understand the world within us, we can better engage with the world around us. And, And so I would say that who I am is, a mix of the inner and the outer. I don't know who I am yet. <laughs> you know what's interesting, um, Michael, to tag on to what you're saying, if you ask this yearly, who am I, perhaps people would think that who I am is changing because they are connecting it to their jobs. But if you think of it as being an opportunity to learn lessons along the way, then it should be changing. Who you are externally will change along the way. Like, um, I am no longer a daughter. Uh, um, I guess I'm, I'm an orphan at this point, and I am no longer at the uh, college 
but I'm doing something different with my intention. So that part of who I am is, is changing. But when you get into the deeper level and understand that there are opportunities to learn, um, that who you are is reflective of your lessons, life's lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, yeah I, really, I really like that. It, it reminds me when you talk about change, that's part of our, that's part of who we are is change. But yet, so I think that it's, so where I'm going with this is the idea that people typically resist change, that they just, they do, they resist change. And yet change, I feel, is a normal process of our own evolution, spiritually, physically, because the opportunities to learn always exist. It's us who shut that down. You know, it's, it's individuals shut that down to where they shortchange the natural mechanism of learning if that if that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know absolutely i don't know i I just think change is always inevitable i mean we hear that right it's such a it's so common it's everything is always changing but yet we tend to resist that yet it's part of who we are is change well the cliche is change is the only constant in life right right yeah But then you have to ask yourself, why to resist it so much, right? I mean, if it is a natural thing, like if you open up to that and you give into that, you would think that you would have greater different experiences than if you didn't. What do you think, Matt? You know, the the concept of change uh, can be taken a a couple different ways. Um, In in my normal profession in banking and financing, um, change is inevitable, (laughs) It's going to happen whether you want it to yeah. or not. Yeah. So, you know, you, you take that into your personal life. You're, you are not the same person at the age of 18 that you are at the age of 30. Change is yes. going to happen. Right. So, you know, you embrace that change and you embrace who you are and you, you stick with this, the decisions that you make. Some of them may not be the best ones, but right. those are the decisions and that's what you base your change on. So that, that's just my thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good so, thought. So, Matt, just to pick up on that real quickly, um, do you find, for yourself, do you find there's a, do you tend to embrace change or do you find a resistance to it or just it it depends? I mean, how do you, how do you experience that? I was resistant at first, like all, all young men are, right? Yeah. (laughs) We're always resistant, but uh, as, as things change and you have to grow up. Uh, you become less resistant to it, but you then you get set in your ways right. as, you so, get, as you get older. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if that's a form of resisting. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, you know, yeah. if you're going to, you have to challenge the process in one way or another sure. um, and, and change is going to happen. You just have to understand how it's going to affect you and the people around you uh, the best way possible. Yeah. 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 Change is growth. So yeah. if, if you Thank embrace you. it that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tried a new coffee cup. That's change. So here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we, go ahead, Deb. Go ahead. I was just going to say, even though with all the change, as we grow, the constant is within that you are you mm-hmm. and you're adapting to change. But the only thing that doesn't change is that spark of the divine of who you are. And, and that's, I guess, getting into different 
belief systems, but for my, for me, I am always me, but my external is changing, causing that inner being to develop. Ah, nice. If that, that's just a different way of looking at it. Yeah. I think with change too, it's like you are there. There's always going to be change and therefore you're always going to have to make decisions. Right. Around that change. And so the thing that's constant, if you know what your values are on the inside, then that is going to help you make decisions and respond to that change. Uh, But if you don't know what that is, you might react in a way where you think change is bad. If that makes sense. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Good, good ideas. Good thoughts. Do we want to get to the next question? Yeah. 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 That's, that would be good. We can, get, we can get lost in these, can't we? Oh, they're so good. So good. The next question that he urged us to reflect upon, what do I love? And I thought, well, that's a very basic question. But when you thought about how we plant what we love in the garden of this life, um, it is interesting. I seem to love so much, but I will say, and, and I'll be brief, is that I, I think that I love my work. And when I say work, I mean, as all of my different roles that I play, there's work involved and and my work makes me feel happy. And I never thought I'd say that when I was younger, I wanted to get Uh away from work thinking work was a negative, but work is what actually um, keeps me living and breathing and, and moving forward. And I mean work, not just with my intention with light work and the bowl work, but uh, volunteer work at the hospital, work as a parent, work as a wife, work as a friend. Um, that's that's what I do love. That's where yeah. I plant my seeds. Yeah. So what you, would you, oh, go go ahead. ahead. No, no, go, Maria. Uh, what would you say, Deb, is like the common denominator of all the things that you love? Um, the common would that's be... Good probably making a difference in lives that really motivates me and fills my heart. It, it, um, it, it gives me peace Uh, and, and it may sound really corny and cheesy, but that when I, when I thought about it, all the pieces of work, it's a sense of making a difference. And, and that, that is what I love. Mm -hmm. How about you, Maria? Um, Hmm. I love a lot of things. Um, but like Deb, I do like contributing. Um, if there's not any purpose or meaning to what I'm doing, um, I don't love that. (laughs) Um, but I think that actually kind of relates to the knowing who you are. Uh, cause if you study who you are, then you discover what you like and don't like. Um, and, and I'm, I think I'm learning a lot, at least at this age, of what I don't like doing, and that's uh, associated aligned with my values. And so I try to avoid scenarios where I'm doing work that is not in alignment with with who I am. But um, I'm a creator at heart, so anything that's creating and making a positive difference at the same time is, is what I love doing. Yeah. How about you, Michael? <laughs> so I find that I find that what I what I love changes 
it changes so much over time for me. And I find that a lot of things that things, notice keyword, that I love were things. They were attachments. And so as I grew inwardly more, I released a lot of those attachments and loving them and getting to where I love the process of learning how to let go. Like for me, that's that's the essence because for me, learning to to love the idea of letting go has is just tied into so many things. It's tied into learning. It's tied into self reflection. It's tied into learning about myself. It's tied into giving, um, being selfless, being uh, stopping selfish with things that I have or want, and become a giver. And how do you do that in a way that is unconditional? Mm-hmm. And to be able to do that all unconditionally. So I just, and when you talk about creating, I know that you're part of this whole idea of creating too, is it's creating your own internal development, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I know you're into that and Deb, you are mm-hmm. too. It's the idea of how, how we can, or how I can, like how, so create is an interesting word. It's like, the thing that I'm really focused on now is how can I create the reality that I want to live in? And Mm -hmm. I, and I've taken full responsibility of being fully in charge of that. Mm -hmm. So thoughts are things, Deb, you've said that in the past thoughts are things. So what are the things, what are the thoughts that I'm thinking? How much time and focus and energy do I put on those thoughts? Because when I do that, it's going to manifest something. So what is it that I want to manifest, which then, drives me back to thinking about my thinking, like the meta thinking, yeah. metacognition is what, what is, what, what am I thinking about? And so then if something does happen in my life that I'm not really happy with, or I'm disappointed with, I go back to what was I thinking about to drive that to manifest in my life? And what do I need to do differently internally to change the outcome of that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that process, that's what I love. Mm-hmm. Matt? Yeah. Did you, did you have... Well, I started a um, a uh, watch party. I started a watch party on the Facebook, and a few folks have chimed in. You guys are talking about work and what have you. And um, actually, uh, Margaret Margaret F. She says uh, we all need purpose in our lives, and work is one way to fulfill that need. So, when it comes to everything that you guys are doing, that that's keeping you busy. You know, you need to still feel fulfilled. And work is one way that we all can, can yeah, do that. Sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I completely agree Thanks with that. that Matt. That's really cool. Yeah, pleasure. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. It is. Good stuff. And I guess uh, another interesting question is, um, it was, how shall I live? And what will my legacy be? And that is an interesting one. Because like Michael, I, I've got a lot of things and I hope that my things aren't my legacy that I leave behind, that I will be remembered for my work and I will be remembered for kindness, I'm hoping. I mean, I, I do work at, at focusing on, you know, how I could have said something differently so next time, how I could address a certain situation so that next time. I will be more compassionate and a kinder person. And, and I think as, as we're talking about work, that I believe is a part of work. But I guess 
I would just like to be known as that nice old lady. <laughs> that, 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 would, that, would, that would be a good legacy for me. What do you think, Maria? Uh, I can't say that I've contemplated that question much. So off the top of my head, I mean, I, I do want to be remembered as, as contributing to the world in a positive way. But um, I think more specific than the work itself would be that I hope I'm remembered in a way where I, I'm, I can inspire someone to meet their full potential. I think a lot of people uh, don't take the risk of going towards their full potential of what they could be doing. And oh, yeah. so um, I hope that I guess my legacy would be that I'm an inspiration to someone out there. That's awesome. So. so I think about my legacy would be that um, I'm part of, um, and I, I think this is where my intention comes in with the two of you, is that, um, that along with you as partners, that um, we create long-lasting um, opportunities, tools uh, that people use that have made a difference in their life. And so that really ties into what both of you are saying as well. Um, and to find an avenue in which people can experience that. Like how, how, is that how is that mainstreamed or how is it given to the world? How is it put out there? Um, you know, I, I want to be a change agent. I want to be that person that when someone wants to make a change that I can help provide them with a, a path to that. And it could be a suggestion. It could be offering a tool. It could be a conversation. It could be a lot of ways to do that. I'm not saying I'm an expert in it, but I think that we all have an ability to help people spark imagination through conversation or through technique or through things that we do or things that we've learned on our work that we do whatever it may be. So I guess my legacy would be finding a way to make a difference in the world, like the both of you say, have shared, and to do that in a way that is accessible. I like you know? the idea of the sparks and the tools. Yeah. Um, to leave that behind, I think, is um, an yeah. honor. And it's, and it's humbling to think that people will pick up where we Mm-hmm. Once we transition, people will pick up those tools and continue the work. I, I like that a lot. That would, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool. I think that that would be a nice a nice legacy to leave. Mm-hmm. I don't personally. I don't really care if my name is attached to that or not. To be honest, it's just that if someone is accessing something, it, it would be a gift if someone said, "You know, I really don't remember where I got this from, but man, it made such a difference into my life." That would be a win. Mm-hmm. That that would be a piece of the legacy. Um, that's where my interest would be, and I know you, you know, we're all three of us are doing the work we're doing because because of that in part. So, mm-hmm. Deb, you got a? Are we on our last question? I think we're out of time. Let me see. Um, oh, you got time. You still got a moment. We have a couple minutes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Matt. The the, the last question. It actually 
we kind of answered it. It kind of flowed into the legacy. It's what is my gift to the family of the earth? And um, each of us has a gift to bring to the table. And how do we uncover true gifts? I guess is, is one of the questions. What is it and how, how do we uncover it? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that for me, I would just say again, uh, the gift is, is trying to be, I guess, a spotlight or, or helping people see things differently. And, um, and the tools that we're talking about, I guess, the tools would be my gift to, to the world that when I transition, that would be what I plant and, and let grow. Oh, Oh, Matt's got one. Nope. Nope. Go ahead. No, I'm just listening. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what is my gift to the world? I I don't know the answer to that yet. I I do. (laughs) When I think of gifts, I think of, or a lot of people might think of what is your talent? What are you gifted at? And and so I don't want to go that route because um, like, I wasn't like born a web developer or a, you know, a designer. I had to work hard to learn those skills. Um, And so I don't, I don't believe that you're just naturally born with talent. I think you work at it. so my gift to the world, I don't know. That's a really hard question. I got to pass. Well, but you're not giving up on your gift, right? Your gift would be your perseverance, the, your commitment yeah. to what you love, your passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to you're, the, you're the go-to person for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> that leads me, that's a really good observation, Deborah, because I think in terms of gifts, there's plenty, there's many that we can leave. But I think that be that so I think what you're talking about is an example, right? Is that a one gift would be an example of perseverance or an example of um, not giving up, which is the same mm-hmm. as persevering or having the grit, you know, to, mm-hmm. to continue. And there's a part of me that wants to say, I'll just do the work, whatever that work is, I'll let other people define that. I'll let other people define if that was a gift or not a gift and I'll just do the work. And maybe that's the gift in, in of itself. Mm, Absolutely. Good answer. Hey, Matt, Matt, before we sign off here, do you want to share what you want to share your thought on that? And then I'll, uh, I got a few things to wrap it up with. Uh, my gift to the world. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that, I've never been asked that question. Huh? To be yes. honest with you, <laughs> that's a tough question to answer. You know, you know, <laughs> the one gift that I that I know that I brought to this world is my is my daughter. Oh, so, yeah. and how I how she was raised or how I raised her to become a lovely young lady that she is all three of my girls, really uh, two stepdaughters and my daughter, but you know, I brought a human into this world. So that is my gift to it, it continue my legacy as, sure. you know, a, as me. So cool. yeah. Jamie, you want to chime okay. in here? Yeah. My gift of the world is Matt Fox. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I, I got him. I got him when he was about 19. And, uh, I, I've shaped and molded him into this thing before you know. So, and it's uh, become it's become our gift. Yeah. It's, oh, uh, there are stories. There are stories. So, uh, I, 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 no, but because I, I, I taught Matt 
the DJ's business mm-hmm. and, and, and the, the kids I get to teach things and it, the, I, I see them and the, the amazing things they go on and, and, and do. Uh, it's very selfish because I get a lot of pleasure uh, out of seeing the things that the, they go on and, and create and, and do and be. So, uh, but yeah, I would say that would be my gift. Awesome. Awesome. Well, being a teacher is a great gift. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, we really appreciate the, the time, Matt and Jamie. Thanks so much for joining us. We really enjoy Absolutely, your perspectives. Yeah. It just Wonder. makes the conversation much more richer. Um, next week, we've got we're, we're going to continue a little bit along the same uh, the same path. What and what we want you to think about before joining us next week, or when you do join us next next week, is we're going to talk about spring, and we're going to and of course everybody knows that spring is a time of renewal. But we're going to frame this in the framework of COVID-19 and reframe it in the idea, has COVID-19 provided us an opportunity for renewal? So we'll pick it up there next week. We want to thank you all for joining, and we'll look forward to talking to you then.